This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Oh, I can feel it. I can smell it. This is going to be a good one here. It's Wednesday night, July 21st, and you are on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube, the Wrestling Inc. Twitch. You're on Periscope. You're on Facebook. You're listening to the audio. Whatever it is, we appreciate it as it is a post AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest. Night two episode of this podcast where we have that to go through. We also have a few WWE headlines. We also have some very interesting, juicy, like a medium rare steak. Mm. Yeah, you like it, Alfred. Headlines to get through. I'm Justin Labar, Alfred Kunawa. Uh, you can catch his work on Forbes.com. He's with me every single Wednesday night. And uh, Alfred, yeah, we'll kind of tease it right now. We'll even, hey, for anybody who's watching the visual, we'll even throw it up just to remind you. Hey. Still to come, we will get to these rumors these the, the these rumors that are being put out there as a report that are that are that are strongly based from sources that yes cm punk and dan o'brien we may know where their next next destinations in the pro wrestling world are so if you want if you're here for that stay tuned we will get to it i promise uh alfred first off how you do first off i guess and we'll get to this headline congratulations to your milwaukee bucks fear hey. the fear the deer right yes Fear the deer, Bucks in six. Uh, what a great night last night was into today. Uh, and it does have a pro wrestling tie-in, as I'm sure we'll get to in the news. But uh, I'm just so happy for my Bucks. Crawling ourselves out of a couple of 0-2 deficits, doing the anti-Chris Paul. He blows 2-0 leads. We crawl out of them, and we won it in six over the Phoenix Suns in Milwaukee. Janice with 50 points. I love it. I love it. And I'm so happy. And I'm still on cloud nine. Right, tell me this. You're... You're in Chico, California. That's where you're yeah, from, Chico. How are you a Milwaukee's bu- Milwaukee Bucks fan? I'm glad you asked. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Don't really remember it. I lived there for three years, but my aunt is a crazy Bucks and Packers fan, so she brainwashed me at an early age to root for God's teams, and I've done that, and it's rewarded me well, as you can see, uh, into the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will come back, so relax about that. Uh, but I'm, I'm a very Milwaukee sports fan based uh, when it comes to sports because I was born there, and uh, I knew nothing else. All right, very. And you're a. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, you went to high school with Aaron Rodgers, right? I did. Well, he went to high school with me, but yes, yes, we went to high school together. <laughs> Chico, California, also hometown of Brian Cage. Uh, a lot of uh, something in the water in Chico, California. Just uh, you know, a lot of talent comes out of there. So Brian Cage is the third most famous person from Chico. California. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you did. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Cage. He's a good ass dude. Yeah, I'll have some heat from him later. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, there you go. So I, I can, I can, I can understand. You know, 2018, my Washington Capitals, different sport, but first time ever for them. You know, I think oh. for the Bucs, it's 50 years. For the Capitals, it was 41 or 42 in franchise history. So I could feel. And congrats to you for the next day coming here to do this podcast because I was out of commission for a couple of days to be doing any podcasting after the, my caps won uh, you, if we didn't have the big rumors that we did i might have called out to be honest <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have blamed you yeah i mean i you know i, I had the caps win two months before that my son was born i mean i was on cloud nine, oh that's so great really. and i'm very happy for ovechkin to finally get that uh that ring that was that was very yeah now we got now we got to resign him he's a free agent now yeah yeah uh, so lots of stuff to talk about. All right. Uh, well, you mentioned, we mentioned, uh, the Milwaukee bucks and, uh, yeah, one of our uh, stories we'll get to here, triple H, uh, as he's become, uh, known to do, he gifted them, 
uh, a nice customized WWE World Heavyweight title with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, plates on the side. Um, and, and, and it was and, and, and Tommaso Ciampa, who was a Milwaukee native, yes. was the one who was on hand to actually in, in person deliver said uh, title. So this is pretty exciting. Again, crossing the worlds of, of, of sports, uh, mainstream sports and pro wrestling. Hell yeah. I also like the R-Truth tweet congratulating Green Bay, Wisconsin on their championship win. <laughs> if you remember, he screwed that up after the Packers won the Super Bowl. He went in there and he went to Milwaukee and called it Green Bay and it completely screwed up a match with Mason Ryan. So he did the reverse. Uh, now, a lot of continuity there with R-Truth. Hey, I like it. I like it. Uh, also, as we hit real quick at a WWE headline, uh, this is interesting, Alfred, and, and this, is, this feels like this is something somewhat down the Forbes Avenue in, in terms of just you know trademarks and, 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 and legalities here. Uh, WWE has filed a trademark for this phrase, complaining is not conversation. What do you make of this? I have no idea. It's just like they just came back, not even a week, and it, it sounds like they're already ready to get testy with their own audience, but maybe this is a podcast. Maybe this is the name of a podcast they're doing. Um, uh, maybe it's going to be a catchphrase for a wrestler that they're going to get heat with the audience. Uh, I really hope it's creatively driven and not some WWE campaign, uh, because if this is like reality-based and this is going to be some campaign that they have these passive-aggressive commercials <laughs> against the fan, I don't think it's going to go that well. Like, I'm not one of these people who thinks that these fans are innocent and whatnot, but the last thing you want to do as a professional wrestling promotion is kind of alienate or or kind of polarize your fans like that in terms of going back and forth. But, you know, I have no idea what it is. I, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, hopefully it's funny for the right reasons. Uh, but this is uh, very contentious, uh, con- uh, testy with WWE, let's say, uh, in terms of how they're uh, looking at their fans. Yeah, and to give some people some detail on this, and they can uh, read the full story, of course, on WrestlingInc.com, but to give a little more context, the filing was made on July 16th, uh, so last Friday, I believe. Yes. Um, so that's when the filing's made, so you know, it, it, it just makes it now out to the news, uh, finding this now, and it, but it's, it's very, <laughs> it's just such ironic timing <laughs> that it hits the news in this news cycle now as we are 48 hours removed from one of the biggest talked-about booking decisions uh, which you know we talked about on Monday night, myself, Raj, and Jack Farmer, which was Karrion Cross getting a very abrupt Raw debut and then getting rolled up and losing, breaking his undefeated streak. Granted, it's a different brand, but nonetheless, uh, to Jeff Hardy. So, I mean, I guess real quick, Albert, I'll ask you just to get your opinions. We, you and I haven't got to talk about this off air or on on air. Uh, give me your reaction to that with Karrion Cross. Uh, I, I thought it was terrible. I, I'm not. I'm gonna be the exception to the rule, or just kind of go the other way. Which you know, I you know, I tend to try to look at everything in the way that I think about it, and uh, not necessarily what the outrage is. Uh, but just looking at this at its own merits, I was shocked when it happened. And you know, we've been talking a lot about Karrion Cross in the NXT podcast, and the more we've talked about him, the more they booked him, the more I think they've kind of gotten off the beaten path with him, uh, based on how great he was at first. And it just seems like it's a lot of paralysis by analysis with Karrion Cross. And when you saw what happened with Shelton Benjamin in that match at the main event, that just looked like a prelude to how they were going to screw him up. And I don't think it's gotten any better. I mean, I, I, I have not seen a long list of people that they've screwed up and then been able to rehabilitate from Keith Lee to uh, The Fiend to Seth Rollins when he was a babyface and just kind of went down the, the path after he, the, that the non-finish with the Hell in a Cell. So I'm very nervous for Karrion Cross. Well, complaining is not a conversation. So. <laughs> well, apparently they don't know how the podcast industry works because there's a lot of wrestling podcasts. Well, that's all it is, is complaining and conversation. Yeah, I mean, I can't figure out if it would be a name of a show they do. I can't figure out if it would be like some kind of like yeah, marketing campaign where it's like, let's be constructive. No more trolling on social media. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe they've made a couple of creative decisions that they know are going to piss people off. And they're like, all right, fire up the complaining, not conversation. So who knows? <laughs> the fact that they needed a trademark, it's hilarious to me. <laughs> I mean, those things cost money. It's not like it's free to do. It's very petty. It's very petty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, as, we, as we noted, still to come, we will get into some heavy, heavy headlines uh, and rumors as regards to both CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. We'll get to that, but it seems like it makes sense. Let's do a recap of tonight's AEW Dynamite, of course, Fighter Fest Night 2, coming to you from Dallas, Texas, the Big D. And, Alfred, we kick it off with Chris Jericho up against Sean Spears. This is the first of the five labors that MJF is putting in front of Jericho. Uh, this uh, the gimmick here being Sean Spears, the chairman, he can use the chair. Jericho cannot. So, obviously, they're heavily working uh, this gimmick here uh, of that of that lopsidedness. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to MJF on commentary. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so 
so bad. But one of the one of one of the lines that popped me as I heard as I was like you know folding clothes and watching is uh you know what we call a hot woman in Dallas and they go what he goes a tourist. tourist? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Very good. Um, Jericho Alfred does, he's got the old he does the old fashioned ten count uh, of the punches and that gets the crowd popping to do the old fashioned Ty Dillinger ten 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 of course that being Sean Spears' WWE gimmick I thought that was an interesting little moment. Uh, ultimately though. Uh, we, you know, we do see Jericho. He's got the walls of Jericho on Sean Spears. Tully's distracting, so we don't see the t- uh, ref doesn't see the tap out. Sammy Guevara comes out. He gets Tully out of the way. Uh, ultimately, though, Jericho does end up winning. Uh, hits the Judas effect, so he gets the win. So his first uh, first victory uh, you know, accomplished here in this uh, labors. Um, you know, gauntlet he's got to go through. But then post match, MJF comes out and off the commentary desk and says that uh, no more help. You know, you don't get Sam. You don't get any more help, or this whole thing's off. So uh, you know, basically, effectively saying as the booking offered. Jericho's not going to have help every time, so it's kind of nice. They're kind of yeah, letting your hand, yeah. you know, already taken out some of the predictability of what could be. And MJF goes on to announce the next opponent for Chris Jericho with one of the most unique entrance, unique intros, as he says, "This guy's stabbed. He's he's robbed banks." <laughs> you can only give that intro to one person, and it is Deathmatch King. Uh, most uh, most recently, got some. Um, some publicity on the dark side of the ring. Uh, Nick Effin Gage. Alfred, a lot to unpack here. Jericho wins the first one. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody. Uh, Nick Gage, that is a surprise of being one of these labors uh, that he's got to overcome. It really is. And I thought Jericho looked good in the match uh, in terms of him and uh, uh, Sean Spears. I thought the crowd really reacted to them. He did that top rope hurricanrado, which you haven't seen much of from this version of Jericho. Uh, I'm scared to death for Chris Jericho. I don't know if they're trying to murder him or what. They threw him off that big uh, cell. They had that spot where he jumped off in, onto the, the platform with, you know, where it wasn't protected and he just kind of jumped off the platform onto the floor. And now he's going to go against one of the craziest people in the history of wrestling who's making his national television debut. So you know Nick Gage is not taking any plays off. And if you saw that Nick Gage documentary, that guy knows one speed in terms of wrestling that deathmatch style. So. Uh, I hope Chris Jericho at his age knows what he's getting himself into. I'm not doubting he's going to be able to do this. I just think he doesn't have anything to prove. Having said that, as nervous as I am for Chris Jericho, this five labors thing is becoming one of my favorite things in AEW in terms of how they're progressing this story. Because even though it is relatively predictable that Chris Jericho will get through this, they're doing a good job of keeping you engaged with these stipulations where Sean Spears can use a chair and Jericho can't. And now you're getting into a death match where Jericho can't have outside interference. And I just love all the attention to detail of the storyline. But again, I am terrified for Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah, I can share that sentiment, and then uh, it will it'll be Jericho's persona, the Pain Maker, as we find out later in the night. He does yes. a promo, does an interview with Alex Marvez, uh, and so that Pain Maker persona that he's used in, in New Japan and uh, kind of the more violent side of Chris Jericho. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I admittedly I, I I knew who Nick Gage was. The dark side of the ring was certainly a education to me on on the the, the dark sides of of his uh, of his life. Um, I'm happy for him, as you said. You're happy for somebody who has, you know. Like the death match or not, he's dedicated himself to a genre uh, that obviously you know it's taxing on the dedication, and he yeah. and he and he's and he's you know he's entertained and, and made his mark there. So you you know you feel good for a guy in that sense to finally get national recognition to this level. And there with Chris Frickin Jericho uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know a place that's got a ton of history in the business. Uh, I don't know how many horseman matches were uh, of Nick Gage death match caliber, but uh, you know. See this, but yeah, I'm a little bit nervous too for Jericho. I mean, because he doesn't have anything to prove. But, but at the same point, you know, if you're Nick Gage, and of course, if you're Tony Khan, knowing this, Nick Gage isn't going to go out there and just do a light Nick Nick Gage match. It doesn't seem like he's that type of person. He seems like he would not. He's not going to do that. He's just too prideful of his reputation. So, yeah, I mean, I hope Jericho is uh, strapped in for what is going to be uh, required of this and Stella Justin Lopez dollar 99. Thank you. Jericho better watch out for that pizza cutter. Seriously. He's going to need to call David Arquette and get a couple of tips as to how to navigate these waters. But like no, Jericho is no stranger to this type of stuff. I just, and I'm sure, you know, whether or not they tell Nick Gage to settle down. I mean, when he hears that bell ring, I mean, I've never seen Nick Gage settle anything down and I've seen a, quite a few Nick Gage matches and, uh, I mean, it's not always my favorite thing to see all that blood and guts and whatnot, but he's very good at it. And you can just, the thing I love about Nick Gage is you know that the, he, he's about that life, and he lives and eats and breathes his deathmatch style. But in AEW, it'll be very interesting to see not only how this looks on national TV, but what does this, how does this AEW audience respond? Because that uh, kind of legendary match with Britt Baker 
and Thunder Rosa, um, a, a lot of the women were kind of turned off by all this blood and these two women bleeding over each other. And, and I'm very interested to see on how this kind of more national audience takes to this deathmatch style. I agree, and of course, tonight's main event in AEW, which we'll get to, was a death match. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen that we've seen them do obviously the 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 exploding match, which I'll just say the dud of the finish. But you know, they've gone down this route before. They must see something in their analytics that's telling them that this is working, whatever that measurement is. I don't know what what their definition or goal of working is, what the criteria is, but something is keeping them back going back to this well. Um, who, who do you got? Uh, Nick Gage versus New Jack. Who who are you who are you siding with? Oh, New Jack. You know, I grew up with New Jack. Is uh, I'm always gonna be loyal to New Jack. But you know, in terms of deathmatch wrestler, I think Nick Gage took what New Jack was doing and took it to another level. So I mean, he is definitely another generation uh, of that deathmatch. And uh, whether you want to call it an evolution or a de-evolution, based on what you think about uh, deathmatches, but you know, I- I'm always loyal to New Jack. R.I.P. And uh, Brett Murphy. Uh, off topic, Alfred. There's one man and one man only that every fan should acknowledge him. And it's not Roman Reigns. It's Bobby freaking Portis. Love it. I love it. Acknowledge Bobby Portis. You know, Bobby Portis, they were chanting him. They weren't even planning to talk to him, but the fans were chanting for him so much, they had to come and talk to Bobby Portis. Uh, I hope he's a buck forever. I'm going to get a Bobby Portis jersey for sure. Very good. Uh, chat's uh, always active. I'll give us some love uh, and a plug. Mark Miana says, Justin, have you seen Alfred's stand-up comedy on YouTube? Yes, I have. And, and I bring that up, Mark, because it wasn't about a few weeks ago. I was actually talking to Alfred off-air about his stand-up. I knew that, he, I knew that you know, Alfred, that comedy was a, a hobby of his. or a, uh, I, don't mean to, I don't want to disrespect and just say hobby. Yeah. I knew, you know, but I knew it was an interest of yours. And I did kind of go down your, the rabbit hole of watching more and more of your stand-up. And I was thoroughly entertained. So, yeah, cheap plug to Alfred. Go to his, go to his website or Google or YouTube, whatever. Alfred kind of will, doing some uh, stand-up comedy very funny I stuff. i appreciate that you guys thank you and you're doing a, a show in vegas did i see that right i am yes this weekend this saturday i'll be in vegas plug it up yeah this saturday it's a secret comedy show so they're gonna send out you know i guess you have to buy tickets first it's the thing they do where they'll give you the address that saturday uh but it's a secret comedy show in las vegas if you go to the event right go to my ig at a-k-o-n-u-w-a you'll see the details i love it i love it very cool. All right, uh, moving right along here, uh, we got uh, Luke Gallows uh, or Doc Gallows up against uh, Christian Cage. Um, Gallows going to get the win here, and this was interesting as I noticed to myself the first two matches, singles matches on Dynamite. That is not an often occurrence. Uh, to I mean, they're, they're usually so tag and, and six man heavy. So to get two singles matches to start, I thought that would that that really caught my my eye. And then I actually think the match after this was also a singles match, uh, and the match after that was a singles match. So the, yeah. interesting to the format as I'm looking down the the rundown here again. But uh, Gallows and uh, Christian Cage take on each other. Gallows gets the win post match. We see Gallows, Anderson, Omega. Uh, they're all getting ready to uh, beat down Christian. Here comes Adam Page. Brawl ensues there. Dark Order comes out to his aid. So again, furthering uh, what we know inevitably is coming, which is a five on five. Uh, with stipulations on both sides of if Page wins or if Hangman or if uh, Omega wins. So, uh, what do you think? I mean, again, Gallows Christian, not really much to dissect here, right? Uh, but more so, again, the the constant furthering uh, of this Omega Page and, and Page uh, now in Dallas, the, the the pops continue. There's no yes. there's no there's no crowd that is unsure of Adam Page that, that we can tell. And that's what stood out to me is that this guy, as we get closer and closer, and like you said, them building kind of toward this obvious path, I think Hangman Adam Page is getting hotter and hotter and people are getting more thirsty to see him versus Kenny Omega. And I really can't wait for this uh, elimination five-on-five match. I-, I can't remember the last time I was this excited in terms of a, a group elimination match because usually that's kind of an excuse to kind of throw a bunch of people together. As we're going to get into later, I think there's good ways and bad ways to do these type of gang warfare, and they're doing it perfectly with this feud. Oh, did I say Christian Cage? It was a Kazarian. I'm sorry. Kazarian. Yeah, it was Kazarian. The yeah. <laughs> 800. My notes there. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Adam Page on on a roll here. And I don't think, have they, they haven't announced the date yet for that 515, have they? Did they? No, I don't that? believe they have. I mean, we were talking about it last week and seeing which show they should put it on, but I don't think they've lined up where they're going to put that 515. Okay. Yeah, so something to look forward to. And of course, they did announce some other matches uh, a couple weeks uh, from now. They're going to be back at Daly's Place. Uh, they said for the last time for a while, we're going to see Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes there. Uh, next week is stacked in Charlotte, FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. Um, you know, you know the, the, the Nick, Cage, Nick Cage versus uh, Jericho. So 
again, as AEW does, they always are letting you know what is coming in the future weeks. So there's never, you know, never, never a mystery of do I need to tune in tonight? They're always making sure you have a destination uh, and why you're coming to that destination, what they're going to give you. Uh, we see Brian Cage, uh, third most popular person in Chico, California. He's backstage. He sees a pre-tape that Team Taz does. Team Taz talking about how next week in Charlotte they're going to be doing a big old celebration. And then they cut back to Brian Cage, and he says he loves celebrations. So looks like uh, looks like fisticuffs will be happening in Charlotte between Brian Cage and Team Taz. Uh, I'll be interested to see this. Is, you know, Brian Cage off on his own right now, a man on an island, which is very rare in the AEW world. And now he's a babyface. He's another big man who's a babyface. Uh, added right there along with Luchasaurus. Added there along with. Uh, Lance Archer. So be very curious to see what they have in store for Brian Cage. Yeah. And um, what kind of backup he gets, you know, and what um, what the, the direction is for this feud because he lost that title. And so is he going to chase the FTW title? How are they going to do this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you have obviously, you know, you have Starks, you, you have Hobbs, you have Hook. So uh, once again, they can really kind of do, uh, they can do some gauntlet type situations if they want in order for him to try to get that title back. If in fact, that's where uh, they're headed. We get Wheeler Yuta. He's out there with Orange Cassidy by his side. Up against Darby Allen. Darby's going to get the win, of course, coming a week off of the uh, big casket match main event. Uh, after that match, though, uh, the Blade, he comes out and attacks Orange Cassidy. Of course, this is the head of a match they're going to have a little bit later on here. Uh, Wheeler Yuta, though, uh, this is, I think two weeks in a row? Yes. Or was it two weeks in a row? Getting an AEW Dynamite match. Uh, and, you know, regardless of the win-loss record, just getting out there. Uh, he's somebody who they did talk commentary talked up and of, of how, how much, you know, interest has been in this guy as a free agent essentially in the wrestling business so uh getting a match and, and got there with orange cassidy so that's not a bad spot to be in yeah it's perfect and i like this a lot more i know last week i was uh, kind of nitpicking at the fact that they really didn't give him too much despite how much they were building him up and this week i loved what i saw out of him i thought this was a lot of fun and i love that they've inserted him in um sort in that the role that really trent would be in as he recovers from injury and they're just kind of right away putting him with another star who it kind of forces you to take this guy seriously they're not just throwing him out there uh, they're talking him up and they're also putting him with orange cassidy for that rub and i really like what i'm seeing out of really you this is um uh, a very fun uh, showing for him. And as I was running down what's what they were announcing for the coming weeks, uh, one of the things they also did promote is that Tony Khan's going to have a big uh, new live event announcement. Yeah. They made a point to word it as new live event. So, you know, hold your horses on what you think the big announcement is because they're at least giving the context of new live event. We know Rampage kicks off here in Pittsburgh uh, Friday, August 13th, I believe. So we know that show's coming to TNT at 10 p.m. on Fridays. So now another new live event. So this doesn't new live event doesn't necessarily mean a weekly show. It could be a one-off pay-per-view. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious here, Alfred, on that topic. What they could be, you know, we know they they've already announced they're gonna have all out. Uh, we know that's in September. We know the big show in at the uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens is later yeah. in September. So we already have some huge live events already coming. So what else could be in the in the in the pipeline here? Very curious to see what that is. I mean, I, I mean, I saw Twitter going crazy. Some people suggesting that maybe he's going to try to sell out TIAA Bank Stadium and the Jaguar Stadium or, or something along those lines. Yeah, when I heard live event, I was too thinking it was going to be a one-off pay-per-view or something like that. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, um, I, I'm hoping it'll be maybe a, an event at a, like a bigger arena type setup. Uh, or just something that they're going to really build to, but maybe and hopefully it's not like in the same realm as that September run of All Out and then uh, the Flushing Meadows show. They should really give that some space to try to build that back up because they are selling tickets like crazy right now. But you're not going to sell a lot of these twenty, thirty thousand seat tickets if you're just doing them back to back to back to back. Sure, and you know to that point, I saw the same chat on Twitter, but I don't think it's too far of a stretch. I mean, you know, if you know if the guy if he owns a football stadium, which he does, and he owns a football stadium in a state. Where you can do outdoor events year round, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know that that seems kind of maybe like a no brainer. Of you know, you have All Out, which is always going to be kind of like part of the origin of this company. You know, you have Double or Nothing, which is you know a, a big show in this in in this in the spring going into the summer. You know, they, they've already started to build some of these shows, but like I don't know if any of those shows, especially because they all are you know arena shows. I mean. AEW is not going anywhere. That's clear. Uh, they're here to stay. Why not try to create your Starcade, your WrestleMania, your stadium show? And obviously, yeah. if you have a stadium that you own, um, you know, I don't know. Do you announce some kind of a big stadium show in December? Uh, again, a time where, you know, you know, weather's not as hot. Uh, it's a time where they don't already have a particular uh, big event, you know, really hashed down. to. I don't know. But I, but I don't think that, that, that guessing using the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium is too far off base. 
Yeah. And it might be a little tougher just because they were there for a year. So it's not like it's this first time territory. It's not necessarily a fly in city in terms of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so I just don't know what kind of clientele. I'm sure people would come from all over if they really built this show up. And listen, we're going to get into those rumors. So if they have the type of dream matchups, quote unquote, that they they can. Yes, I'm sure they can sell at a stadium like that, but it might be a little tougher just based on the fact they spent so much time in Jacksonville kind of, um, and they were selling tickets to some of those shows during the pandemic, but this would be definitely a different animal if it was in a stadium. Yeah. And maybe it would have to be pushed to January or February or something. Cause I, I, as I said, December a minute ago, obviously you're still in the middle of football season. So right. uh, yeah, Jaguars aren't making the playoffs. Go to Jan- go to January. <laughs> there you go. No, listen, Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. I think, but uh, not, not immediately. Yeah. He ain't going to be playing in January. Not, not, not next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We got all kinds don't, don't, don't come for us Jaguars fans. You know we're telling the truth. All kinds of sports punditry coming in here. Um yeah, so we'll be interested to see what that uh, what that turns out to be. All right, moving uh moving along here. We got Britt Baker, your AEW women's champion. She's up against uh Nyla Rose here. Um yeah, this match as we get towards the end here. Britt tries to pull the Eddie Guerrero uh tossing the chair and then trying to toss herself to the ground. Nyla then doesn't fall for it. She tosses the chair back to Britt. So then nothing that none of that works, but ultimately Britt does end up uh, winning with her submission with that 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 lockjaw submission she does. Um, again, I, you know, I, I guess we, we've talked about this, but it's continued talking point. Alfred Britt still presented as a heel; she does a heel tactic. Like, but I guess and then again, Eddie Guerrero, his whole gimmick as a babyface was to be a lie, cheat, and steal heel. So as, I guess that's where Britt Baker's that's the peg she's fallen into is that she is gravitating to the to the babyface reaction of the crowd but they're going to allow her to keep the dastardly heel tactics that's that seems like where we're headed here yeah and i think it's very um very smart very shrewd because um that even though it is a cheating spot that is a babyface spot um you know you're gonna think of eddie guerrero you're not gonna boo uh you're gonna start chanting eddie or you're just gonna have positive feelings and eddie guerrero was one of the more endearing heels and then turn babyface when he would do that lie cheat and steal so i think they're still realizing that Britt baker this character the reason she got over is because she was a heel. She does such a good job at this character that, yes, we're going to play to those reactions, but we're going to do it in a way where she can retain some of her heel bona fides. We're not going to completely make her like a pageant queen or, or you know, where she's trying to endear herself to these fans. She's still going to cheat, but she's going to do it in a way that they know is going to get her cheered more. So I think they are leaning into these babyface reactions, but they're being shrewd about it in terms of making her kind of still be a heel. Absolutely. I agree. So I'm all for that. Uh, the match the match was what it was. Um, yeah. Again, a little bit of a an odd dynamic altogether, all, all but um, I was underwhelmed by this match. Just, you know, yeah. they kind of went back to that crucifix a couple of times, and uh, I know both of them are better than than what we saw. I, I agree. Um, yeah, you were being a little more blunt than I was. I agree. <laughs> underwhelmed, <laughs> under, underwhelmed is the word for it there. But but the right finish uh, decisions made here. Britt retains. Uh, all right, so we get Andrade El Idolo in the ring, and this is a surprise announcement here. Uh, he's got an executive consultant, and speaking of Eddie Guerrero, out comes his nephew Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Guerrero now part of AEW, so it looks like they are substituting out Vicky Guerrero and moving in Chavo Guerrero to be the uh, mouthpiece and cornerman uh, associated with Andrade. Uh, this got a big prop from the crowd. Chavo cuts a little promo talking about how talented AEW is. It's a place to be, but but how Andrade stands out. And then they're interrupted by Pac, Phoenix, and Penta, the Death Triangle, who, uh, you know, they, they talk about, you know, they're in a different league than Andrade. They're the actual faces uh, for Latinos. Um, and so we get a little bit of a showdown uh, on the mic and stare down here between uh, these. So it looks like Andrade's first real program uh, will be with uh, one or all of the members of the Death Triangle. Uh, first off here, uh, Alfred, uh, your reaction to Chavo Guerrero? I, I love Chavo Guerrero with uh, Andrade. Uh, I think that Andrade with Vicky was kind of a weird pairing, uh, especially if they're going to present him as this kind of upper echelon star. I think Vicky's great as a manager, but she does you know, a lot of comedy, and she is kind of stretched thin already with Nyla Rose, so right. it's good that right. she gets to get all our attention there. Is there anybody in wrestling who's aged better than Chavo Guerrero? He looks younger than he did during the Monday Night Wars. Like He looked fantastic. He great, great tan, and I think he looked great. He looks like he hasn't aged a day. He's still got that fire. I love the promo he cut in terms of kind of singling out Pac and saying, you speak one language. It really got a reaction from that Dallas crowd. Uh, but I will say, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, I love what they're doing with the elimination storyline on the show. So maybe it stands out that much more that this seems 
like so beneath everybody who's part of this in terms of we're just going to have all these guys kind of do this gang warfare and do this Survivor Series style feud where it's like Andrade was not brought in to be in these group tag team matches. And right. this was my fear. Was I, I was saying, I was very vocal about the fact that I think Andrade should sign anywhere but AEW because my fear was they're just going to put him in the Latino box. They're going to say, okay, you go with Ray Phoenix and all these guys, and they're pretty much putting all these talented wrestlers in the Latino box, and they're all going to kind of go off and feud on their own. And I really hope this is temporary because I do feel that everybody involved in this feud, from Pac to Ray Phoenix to Andrade to uh, Penta, they are capable of, as a single star, being a really big deal in AEW. And I, and I just don't like the fact that they're now just all kind of put in this own separate universe. That's a great uh, that's a great point. I, I never actually really even thought about it from that aspect. So, um yeah, that's an interesting perspective there. Yeah, but to, but to the back to the Chavo point, yeah, I um he looked phenomenal. I mean, you know, and here's a guy. Some people may not realize this is that uh, obviously you know he had his run in WWE. You know, had its highs and lows. Um, but here's a guy who's really had a great post WWE career. I mean, he mm-hmm. you know he's been very involved in Hollywood. He was he was super influential in the Glow um, series on Netflix in terms of being the really like a technical advisor and technical producer, training a lot of the actors and actresses for the in-ring work and so he's very well liked in the business from all, all accounts so uh, he's had a great post WWE career better than what many can otherwise say and so to see him out there in a fitting role because I agree the Vicky thing just didn't quite I first off yeah it was spread then already trying to establish her with Nyla right uh, and then it was like I the way just the debut of, of Andrade and 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 um and, and Vicky being the one who, and I, I couldn't help but feel this is maybe a shallow take, but I couldn't help but feel like, are they just trying to like, are they, are they trying to like just give him Eddie Guerrero legacy pop? Yeah. By having her strapped to, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel, I felt, felt, felt way too forced. Right. Um, but somehow the Chavo thing feels better to me. So that's a good way to put it. It did feel for us. I think from the beginning, uh, when she announced it, I thought like as it happened, I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." Okay, you put Vicky there. But the more I saw it, I was like, "I don't know about this." You just kind of felt that there there was something off there. And I, I think Chavo's going to be much better with, um, especially because he could he's going to be bumping more. He's you know AEW likes to do their outside interference, so they're going to need people to bump and whatnot. But I also just think that I was thinking of Conan or even a Chavo. I didn't think about Chavo, but something along those lines would be very good for, for Andrade in terms of kind of a mentor type character, you know, somebody who used to be a wrestler who could guide him through AEW would be kind of more credibility in that, in that realm. Sure. So yeah, we'll see where, how that uh, unfolds here with uh, Andrade and the death triangle. All right. Up next, we get a follow up to what we saw a little tease of earlier. We get blade versus orange Cassidy, uh, orange Cassidy getting the win here. Uh, nothing much more to say here. Orange Cassidy, you know, over like Rover in Dallas, everywhere he goes, he's another one. Uh, maybe probably, maybe one of the most un, Biggest surprises in the AEW realm that obviously a guy who you thought is going to be just this bit comedy character who has risen to being arguably probably in their top five of over baby faces in every single city they're in. Yeah, I remember the kind of general consensus that I would always hear about Orange Cassidy is, well, you can't use this guy every week. You got to roll him out and it's got to be this comedy thing. And nobody projected him to be anywhere near this main event level, but he's a guy who whenever they're ready to heat him back up, uh, and he's still hot, he's still doing a very good job, but AEW is pretty top-heavy right now, but whenever they're ready to have this guy inserted into a world title picture and chase that title and win it, that would be something people would get behind because that match that he had with Kenny Omega and Pac, one of the biggest pops of the night is when it seemed like he was going to get that three count over Kenny Omega. Those people went nuts. And this guy's a very credible person who they protected with victories, and and I like the, the success story of Orange Cassidy. I absolutely agree. And you're right. I think our, uh, um, I think Jim Ross has even said the same thing. It's, it's somewhere. I'm probably on this podcast. Like, you know, at, at first glance and on paper, Orange Cassidy is somebody right. He's a roll him out every so many weeks. You can't you can't get every week mileage out of him. And boy, did that boy, yeah. did that be get proven wrong. One so. of the biggest overachievers. I mean, based on how far I think he can go, he might when it's all said and done be one of the biggest overachievers in the history of wrestling. Sure. And, and I, but I can't help. And again, I. I He's great in AEW, and AEW's got a great presentation of what they're doing, and they're on a roll. And this, of course, I'm going to get the AEW um, most extreme loyalists are going to bring it get, on. Get pissed at me for saying this. I can't help but think what an Orange Cassidy would be in the WWE environment. I can't help but think, like, boy, wouldn't that be a great piece of WWE 24 footage to see? Um, you know, to see Jim. I think, I think, I think it's Cassidy's real name. To see Jim meeting Vince for the first time and then doing the Orange Cassidy persona for the first time for Vince and, and seeing if Vince gets it or seeing 
the reaction that 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 <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like Orange Cassidy would somehow get a, a rise out of, of Vince in some way. So it's funny, and, and I say that, and that's a, just a compliment to Orange Cassidy of that he's you know he he's the star that he is in AEW, and we talk about it before. A lot of guys that have been with AEW from the launch, they're still in these first multi-year contracts. But that's exciting to think that when those contracts come up, it's good for the business that other places, WWE and uh, many others, Ring of Honor, Impact, everywhere else is going to go, well, hey, you know, what, come talk to us. What could we offer you? And it makes you think, like, what potential? It doesn't have to just be what WWE talents jump ship over here. Right. Teaser to the headlines we're going to get to in a second. But what AEW stars might jump over here, and could they be used in different ways? And again, it's not that Orange Cassidy is not being used great in AEW. is. I'm just saying the potential of, like, what could be out there is fun to think about for a new you know orange cassidy is an aew in my mind an aew bred star i know that he worked places prior to aew but in terms of national television he's an aew bred star so to think what could be out there in his future is fun to is fun to do because this character is just such a such a situational character and that's going to help with value it definitely helps that we've now seen the template of orange cassidy as a top star in this promotion to where WWE wouldn't just look at something like that and be like, oh, that's a comedy gimmick. That's a 24-7 gimmick. They now see the template of this guy being a top-drawing star in AEW, so I think that would be in his favor if he were to jump shit to, uh, to WWE. And then you hit it on the head. If he makes Vince laugh, like, say what you will. You know who else makes Vince laugh is Riddle. And I, I WWE loves Riddle. And that guy is training. You saw him rubbing shoulders with John Cena. You can print that. WWE loves Riddle. So if... Orange Cassidy was to make Vince laugh in the right way, and he decided to put him on TV all the time. The sky could be the limit. Could you imagine a segment of Orange Cassidy and our truth together? Oh, God. That, that would be wonderful. It'd be amazing. It doesn't have a choice but to be amazing. Right. All right. Uh, here we go. Main event time for the uh, IWGP United States heavyweight title in a Texas death match. John Moxley up against Dallas's own Lance Archer. Uh, so this one delivers as you'd think. You got blood. You got forks. Ultimately, Moxley. Uh, you got uh, Lance Archer using a fan <laughs> as a <Yeah>. weapon. <laughs> kind of looked like Luther, honestly. Um, <laughs> fan did. Uh, the, uh, ultimately, the, the finish comes though. Moxley brings out some barbed wire, stretches it over two tables, but ultimately Archer chokes him through it, and Moxley cannot answer the ten count. So your new IWGP. United States heavyweight champer, champion is Lance Archer, and they had promoted this prior and even showed him in the crowd. He is going to take on, I believe, next week in Charlotte, uh, Hikuleo, who is uh, the, as they noted several times, the son of yeah. King Haku or Ming, or however you know him, are regarded as the toughest badass in the history of pro wrestling in real life. Uh, his son, uh, Hikuleo, uh, going to be going up against Lance Archer for that title next week so uh first off i, I want to say this uh th thoughts on that the match and and now what's going to happen for next week but i want to know too alfred i was impressed with this not only again a death match and violent entertaining but a main event that mm -hmm. other than the within the parameters of it's a death match no shenanigans no interference no whatever they just let the two guys just do the story yeah, and I love that about this. And and this will be a good kind of litmus test to see how this charts in terms of a main event death match. I mean, you had the big star in John Moxley. I'm so glad Lance Archer won. Uh, I did think that he was training toward winning just because it was for the IWGP championship. And I do expect when Japan gets back to normal, uh, Lance Archer would be the one to go there a lot more than John Moxley because I think AEW will really prioritize him. And Lance Archer is just one of these, he's one of the few people in wrestling that I legitimately, maybe he brings a mark out of me. I roll my eyes and get legitimately upset when he loses just based on the fact that I think he's got so much potential as a big man. And I thought this was going to possibly be one of those other spots that they just put him in there to beat him. But this is a big win. They almost never beat john moxley so for him even though it was a 10 count i thought this match was insane for what they did uh i love the barbed wire table kind of spot i mean there was a little too much blood for me they had the fork spot which is wild uh, but i i liked a lot of this match and i'm very happy for lance archer that he won and um you know it, it's really cool that aew kind of uh brings in these championships from outside promotions and and really does get them over uh, with these matches yeah i have to agree with you I, I know it might sound now naive, uh, armchair Booker, uh, 48 minutes past the finish here. I know they were in Lance's hometown of Dallas, but I still thought, okay, they're using, you know, he's in Dallas, so it helps, helps move tickets, let's put him in the main event. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, he's not winning this. So I was pleasantly surprised. 
yeah. that he won it. And Lance Archer certainly was in needs. I feel like even though his record is actually pretty favorably win loss, I want to say it's like 16 and three in, in this calendar year. But even still, it seems like in the times where it's mattered the most, he hasn't won when he needed right. to. So I had my doubts there. And I also, I, I, I didn't know. I was like, how much IWGP title changing hands is going to happen on AEW television in America. You know, I didn't know. And so this was really cool to see. I thought this was a great, great uh, finale um, to the show. So uh, Lance Archer, and, you know, look, Lance Archer, I'm with you. Tons of talent. And it's crazy to think. This is a guy that was once in the WWE system, and they let yeah. go. That he yeah, really wasn't, wasn't doing much. He was just in a tag team that people forgot about, I'm sure, with Kurt Hawkins. And now look at him. Wild. Uh, super chat from David. Two dollars says, "Where is Matt Morgan?" Uh, David, I think it's Raj, uh, wrestling's owner, has said. I think when asked before, you know, Matt, as you could probably recall, when Matt was on these podcasts, uh, always busy, crazy schedule um, involved in local politics and everything else. So, uh, you know, as Raj said, I think Matt's been his schedule's been pushed to limits. So, uh, it, I, I'm not in politics. I don't know about uh, Alfred, but it's it's it, it is a commitment to keep up with all this content that's going on. Uh, and Matt was on Raw, NXT, AEW. Yeah. He was doing literally every show. I didn't know how he did it. I thought I did it all, but no, not even close to. He did every Matt show. Morgan. He's got a wife. He's got a, he's got a son. I mean, you know, I mean, I can relate with my wife and two kids. It's it's hard to do just one or two of these shows a week. So sometimes just to keep up with everything as as it is live. So uh, yeah, as best I know from what Roger said, uh, Matt's uh, you know Matt's got enough going on. So, uh, but hey, look, Alfred and I are here. To keep it going. And all right, so now let's get into some headlines. So we, we end AEW Dynamite talking about, you know, IWGP heavyweight title being changed hands and, and, and the uh, the working relationship with New Japan. And that's certainly something that can be taken into the factor, not only for what you can provide content-wise to your audience, but what you can provide from a negotiation leverage of, of trying to get new talent who might have an aspiration, uh, who, you know, if they've been with WWE or they've not been able to do Japan for many years, Man, I'd like to go and work some in Japan. It's a different style. It's a it's a different crowd. I'd like to do that, uh, but you need that forbidden door to be swinging both ways in order to do that. WWE's door certainly only goes one way, and it has several deadbolts at top of it. So here we go. Two of the biggest stories to come out today, Alfred, that have just dominated wrestling, Inc., dominated social media. I'll go in the order they came out. First is that guy, you might have heard of him, his name's CM Punk. Has not had an official match on TV since he was here in Pittsburgh January of 2014, famous match, Royal Rumble, uh, and that's the last time we saw him on TV having a match. Next day, leaving Cleveland, he uh, walked out. He said, "I'm done." Walked out. We have not seen him on uh, you know in a match since on TV. CM Punk always been speculated what's going to happen, but now it seems like we might be getting towards some of the most concrete result after all these years. Fightful is reporting, and Fightful again. Uh, got a really strong track record just for most recent um, uh, credibility purposes. Fightful was, were the ones who first reported that Goldberg would be coming back on the Raw for Money in the Bank. Of course, that did, in fact, happen. And Fightful's had many other things that have hit correctly. So just to give that credibility to them. And their report is that the most likely place for CM Punk is going to be AEW and that there is ongoing talks for him to return to the ring. No contract has been signed as of the, the story coming out earlier today, nor timetable or return, ba- return date or the creative plans. But Punk and a company official have been talking about him wrestling once again. And even higher-ups, Alfred, in WWE, uh, who, of course, you know, it's an incestuous business that, that is wrestling. You know, everybody knows everybody. Even higher-ups in WWE apparently are hearing and believing Punk is AEW bound. Uh, so much to go. I'll just initial reaction here. Very interesting. Uh, I I think they do a good job of compartmentalizing the 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 wrestling fan me and uh, the the kind of the outsider looking in in terms of do I think this would be good business? And I'm a little bit torn because I'm excited to see CM Punk. I think it'd be a great moment in terms of him just showing up. Uh, I think this is something you'd want to announce uh, ahead of time and, and get a rating or a buy rate out of it or whatnot. But that moment of him showing up is going to be a very special moment. I just don't know if this is going to be a special moment for the people within wrestling and uh, AEW's audience, which I think a lot of them are going to appreciate that. Um, and and I don't know if it's going to be just that or if it's going to transcend. I was kind of concerned, and I don't think this is a fair analogy at all. So don't you know take this with kind of a grain of salt. But when he came back, 
in that WWE backstage capacity, it meant nothing. Like he, he showed up to WWE programming. He was on that backstage FS1 show, but FS1 is already a struggling network and it really didn't mean anything to that show. The rating didn't go up immediately. There was not this big push to see CM Punk and it just kind of uh, petered out. But uh, CM Punk wrestling is a different story, especially in a company like AEW where I think the fan base would be more likely to embrace him. But I'm very interested to see on how this tracks. And I really do hope they use CM Punk Kind of like how they're using Sting. They pair him up with somebody, whether it's as a ally or as a rival, and they use it to kind of get one of their younger guys over. So uh, seeing this report, and again, I give him the credibility to Fightful. I believe the validity of the report, meaning I don't think Fightful threw a dart against the wall and it landed on this index card and they decided, well, we're going with the CM Punk story. I believe the validity that they reported this because they are getting what they believe to be, uh, you know, Solid information, and, and it probably is. He probably is having a conversation. I, I think. I, I don't think that Fightful and Sean Ross Sap over there. I don't think they would do this if, if they didn't believe in this. I truly believe that that the validity of the report and the speculation and the conversation is there. That said, I will still believe the result being the result being he signs and shows. I will believe that when I see it, because I will give Punk this credit. He has stayed away for far longer than I ever thought would happen. And I will also say I, I'm surprised that AEW has been around for a couple years now and that it he's not popped up yet for several reasons. One, AEW, b- besides Jacksonville being their actual, actual company headquarters because of the cons, Chicago's like – you know, Chicago, for all intents and purposes, has been like their MSG, has been their garden, has been their backyard with All Out. And that's what, you know, it was the individual independent show of All Out, which then basically solidified we're doing in this AEW company, you know, Punk's backyard. I'm surprised Punk hasn't popped up on one of those shows first off. And then AEW's, the, the very mission of that All Out show, to be a show that could sell out a, a venue of that type and not have WWE behind it. And then what AEW has then become being this alternative that is now on national TV that is that is challenging WWE in, in all things. They're not head-to-head, but they are challenging WWE. I think it's, it's fair enough to say. I am surprised. It, it seems like it's a mission that CM Punk could get behind given his grievances with WWE and the fact that he put up with WWE what, you know, with what he would call their bullshit – and, but they were just basically the only game in town. And now there is a new game in town that's viable that can hand out million-dollar contracts. I'm just surprised that Punk hasn't shown up already. So, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. But at the same point, this kind of fits. And, yeah, I mean, you know, how do you do it, Alfred? Do you, you know, I, I don't, as, as, as Khan has talked about, they, they especially with Sting, TNT doesn't seem to be happy when big surprises just happen like that. So you feel like, for his first appearance on a dynamite or a rampage, it has to be promoted and it will probably do a, a great number of interest. But I still think there's something to be said for that element of surprise of him popping up on a pay-per-view at an all out or something. Uh, and then there's the, okay, now I have to tune in to see the follow. Yes. And that would be the perfect way to do it is once the tickets are sold at a place, all out is already sold out. So that's somewhere where, especially I think if he was to show up, uh, it's so hard to keep a secret these days in wrestling. So I'm sure something would, some whispers would get out and I'm sure people will expect something like that to see CM Punk. So uh, they could get away with surprising a crowd that's already paid with CM Punk. And then that dynamite the next Wednesday, hopefully would do a lot. I mean, he's been off TV for an awful long time, but again, this crowd would remember who CM Punk is. And I don't think that's going to be a problem with an AEW crowd. And so I think that is a perfect way to do it. So that's my next question with this. Uh, this is my next question with the CM Punk conversation. We have a whole other return to talk about is CM Punk. If he shows up in AEW, I, my, my opinion, it, he helps, uh, he helps, those who are on the or who are carrying the AEW flag, who are very anti WWE, he helps further their perception of AEW is the rising number one company. It's the place to be. He can also then help sway and convince those who are still, I don't know, is this just a WCW reboot? Is this just, you know, what is this going to be? He can try to help convince, look, he's been gone for this long, he hasn't popped up anywhere else. He's here. It must be for real. He can help make that convince. So that's all those who follow the business day to day, week to week that we are talking to right now. What does he do to the person 
who only watches WrestleMania and Royal Rumble every year. Because even when Punk was on top in WWE, granted their numbers were better than WWE's numbers are now, which that's not saying much. It wasn't like Punk was a main eventer during some kind of golden era in WWE. You know, it wasn't like, you know, he worked Cena, yes. He, you know, but it wasn't like Punk was, you know, in, in, in an era of 15, 20 years ago. He still was in a time where, all, you know, the, the, the viewership was, you know, down. So, like, does he move the needle to people who you who you need to capture? You need new casual people to ultimately raise your, raise your stock. I think where he might be the most valuable is for those people who maybe tuned out of WWE since that 2014 time span to now. Uh, like you said, yeah, the audience was, uh, it wasn't what it was, but it was definitely bigger. And I think uh, a lot of the reasons that some of the people stopped watching over the years, maybe not only because of CM Punk, although I'm sure there's a lot of people who said that now that CM Punk's gone, I'm done with this product. But CM Punk was one of those people who, when he left, I think it hurt WWE in terms of their interest with a lot of fans. So I think AEW could do very well with the CM Punk, and as we'll get into uh, later with Daniel Bryan, in terms of uh, people who left WWE and, and now are just kind of coming back. I'm like, oh, wait, that's where CM Punk is right now? Well, maybe I'll tune into that. Because there is a whole lot of people who used to really even be hardcore fans who stopped watching wrestling. That's kind of our WWE at the very least. Uh, and I think that would reinvigorate them. And that is still a difference maker and it will build momentum for AEW. Sure. All right. So we have CM Punk. So that, that speculation is there. We're all waiting to see. Then another one that broke a little bit later today. Uh, and now while CM, while the report with CM Punk is there's just talk going on, but it's believed that the talk will eventually lead to that. So there's still that, you know, you know, we got to, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's. Uh, this report comes out from Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, and this report says, no, it's not just talk; it's a hundred percent locked in that former WWE champion Daniel Bryan is AEW bound. That something is already done, and that's happening. So now. Brian, who we know, his WWE contract had expired, at least the last one expired, and we all were just kind of wondering, what's the deal? Is he working on a handshake deal? Have they signed a new contract? Do we not know? His merch and action and toys have all been pulled, which that, you know, we've seen that happen with Brock before, and that's just, you know, and we've seen it happen with Goldberg at times. It's just a, a contractual thing. But now we're seeing from Bodyslam.net, who, again, I'll give them credit, they have had actually some accurate AEW-related reports mm-hmm. in their in previous months and years. So they do seem to have well-placed sources in the AEW universe, and they're saying Brian is a hundred percent locked in. Now this is where that whole, you know, Brian we know, and you know, being able to work in Japan, being able to work some of the places, having some creative freedom. Um, Alfred, do you believe this? And if you have a one-two punch of Brian and Punk coming in, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I tend to believe this, uh, especially, you know, Daniel Bryan at AEW did seem like it would make sense, especially if he was able to get what he wanted, because the big sticking point with WWE was he wanted to work Japan. And, and as you alluded to earlier, that's just not something WWE is going to do in terms of consistently allowing Daniel Bryan to go to Japan or go outside the territory. And it seems like, you know, if these reports are true, that that's uh, what he would be leaning toward doing. I I do tend to believe that Daniel Bryan is going to be on his way to AEW. I've kind of felt that way since there was that radio silence where where WWE was pushing to sign Daniel Bryan and it just wasn't happening. Uh, I think with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, it's it's a very good one-two punch. And I'll tell you what the value of this is, especially right now, because I'm going to take a little bit more of a wait-and-see approach to see, because I'm sure it's going to lead to an initial great pop-up, but then it just becomes on how do you use these guys. What I think is the ingenuity of what's going on, I think all of this is very calculated. You know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, Justin. Uh, and I think that because WWE is now back with live crowds and money in the bank, they had all the buzz in terms of WWE's back. We're going to show you what the number one wrestling company can do. They're going to Rolling Loud. They've got John Cena. Here comes all these surprise returns. WWE had that buzz, which is all part of the game in a pro wrestling promotion. And then AEW, just a couple of short days later, you know, when all these people pissed off at WWE for what they need to carry across, now the buzz is going right back to AEW. And we're talking about a potential one-two punch with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk potentially a month before it even happens to where I think that's where AEW has kind of succeeded when it comes to the war uh, within the war in that promotion, having buzz, being a company seen as what are they going to do next? 
Because when I just saw that Money in the Bank paper, I thought, man, there's nobody better than WWE. And I still feel that. They're the number one company in terms of promotion and all that stuff. AEW is so good at remaining in the headlines. And, and now that they have this buzz, I do think Daniel Bryan would make a difference because recently he just main evented WrestleMania. He, recently he was a big old star for WWE, regardless of whether he won or lost. And I do think this will be treated as a big deal. But I will commend AEW for knowing how and when to stay as the buzzworthy company. Well, and we've talked about that. This is what AEW has as their advantage. You know, they don't have notable people that's contracts are running up or ready to jump ship. And again, they're back to the road and they have this thing. We saw with, with Aleister Black, they have this they have this incentive of show up to our live events, watch our TV, because there are a ton of people right now that are becoming free agents. You never know who's going to show up. WWE doesn't have that. Yeah. We, there's no, you know, unless, unless, I'll ask you this, Alfred, and, you know, there was little rumblings out there with Randy Orton that maybe, you know, and he did his little things and, and, and even Edge and I think even Goldberg. There were rumblings that all three of those individuals and well, and Edge actually confirmed his, I believe he said in that documentary um, that they all talked to AEW or at least presented that as the case to the WWE office that they had AEW as an option. To, to gain leverage on the deal that they wanted to get and which they ultimately signed with WWE. So I ask you this. Is, is, do you believe, again, these Dana Bryan and CM Punk reports, or is this one or both of them pretending to talk to AEW to get the leverage back on WWE? Ah. If, if anything, that might be what CM Punk might be doing, but uh, I think that's always a possibility, and I really didn't think too much about that, but... Uh, I mean, the fact that it seemed like Bytheslam.net seemed very, very convinced that, you know, I, I'm not sure they would go that far in the direction. But, you know, only Daniel Bryan knows what Daniel Bryan's going to do. Only CM Punk knows what CM Punk's going to do. Whether or not they've signed a uh, pen to paper, uh, who knows? And, and until they do, there's always a chance Vince comes in and makes that last push. That's what happened with Jericho. <laughs> I mean, Jericho tells that famous story now that's come kind of infamous where – uh, he said he's going to AEW. Vince didn't believe him. And then after he'd signed, Vince said, wait, so did you sign? And, and he just kind of tried to make that last push. So there's always a possibility, especially particularly in the CM Punk uh, discussion, where you hear that he's negotiated, not saying like 100% that CM Punk is locked in for AEW the way they said with Daniel Bryan. But CM Punk, it was he's negotiating an in-ring return. Officials believe he's going to AEW. So I do think that this is kind of a behind-the-scenes bidding war, and I definitely think there's a possibility that WWE can steal him away at the final hour. Yeah, again, the Punk one, I, I expect a Punk to be an AEW already. Uh, the Brian, again, the Brian one is a little bit because again, Brian, I, I can see AEW saying, "Look, we can give you a better schedule. We don't have a heavy tour. We don't have as heavy of a touring schedule as WWE does. We can allow you to go to Japan. We can give you more creative freedom. You're back to being Brian Danielson. I get that, but I guess I also still think with Brian." You know, his wife is forever part of the WWE family. His father-in-law is in talent relations. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just connected Brian so much to that WWE family. I had a hard time seeing him in any other colors from this point on. But um, but he certainly is a man of his own. He does go to a uh, beat of his own drum. So He definitely does, yeah. And I think this was based as much as you're absolutely right, and I, he's a family man or whatnot, I think what's going to turn him in terms of where he ends up working is what he wants to do. I'm signing the contract that allows him to, because I think he's, he realizes he's getting older and he sees his future that he's going to be more of a family man. And so now he's just going to kind of go on this one last hurrah where he gets to go and work all these dream territories he wanted to. And I think he just realizes I'm not going to be able to do that in WWE. And he doesn't want to be a guy who maybe signs with WWE. And then when he gets too old to go to CMLL, to go to Japan, he's thinking, God, if I would have only done that, I don't think he wants to live in that type of regret. Well, and that's I, that's a great analysis because he's a guy who's already told his career's done, yeah. Only to come back a couple of years later, so he, you know, I, I can definitely feel him. I guess maybe thinking, I'm on borrowed time, yeah. physically to do to perform at the level he wants to perform at. Uh, some breaking, uh, I mean, some update here live as we go, and this is why we love you guys. Uh, Kayla Mick, thank you, Kayla, five dollars super chat, bodyslam.net, who are the ones who posted the story today about Daniel Bryan being 100% locked AEW. Bodyslam.net posted 22 minutes ago that AEW plans debut, I assume Dan O'Brien, September 22nd show in the Arthur Ashe Stadium. That's the one that happened in at Queens. So, um, I mean, that would be the show, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, that that show needs something huge in terms of, you know, it's AEW. It's almost like they're declaring war. AEW going to the New York City territory where WWE made its name. And so they're going to need something big. And I'll kind of go back to analysis I made in terms of WWE's backlog of returning people. I want it to be either CM Punk or Daniel Bryan. I really think CM Punk should be in Chicago. That's almost a no-brainer if they have CM Punk locked in. But it should be one or the other. I don't want. I don't think both people should should debut. I think it would be a little bit of a waste. But I mean, Daniel Bryan debuting in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Let's go. I I can completely see that happening. Well, yeah, absolutely. You do them at separate shows. You don't waste those bullets on the same. Uh, but then, but then you start looking at speculation, booking speculation. You know, uh, MJF's got five labor. If MJF said the fifth is going to be a surprise opponent, now again, I, 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 this probably wouldn't happen because again, MJF and the whole thing—it's a heel thing. You're not bringing Bryan or punk in his heels they're just it's not right. gonna work at least not initially but like if you have some situation where you say tune into the show it's a mystery opponent yes the speculation now is just there um that, that's almost a way to still make it a surprise but still get the brian or punk effect on your buy rates because you start to go it's got to be one of them you're still surprised to see which music tony khan's gonna pay for living colors Cult of per, you know, so you're gonna hear that, you know, it, it, it's there. Um, it's, I mean, this is, oh God, what a fascinating time this is right now. And he might have to pony up for his um, flight of the Valkyries for Daniel Bryan. I mean, it, it's getting expensive uh, with all these guys he's bringing in. So they both have kind of iconic mainstream theme music that Tony Khan might have to pay for. They do. Uh, Michael Sachs Jr., $2. Congrats on your bucks, Alfred. So Thank you, Michael Sachs. I got an hour to celebrate it, and then the CM Punk thing broke, and then Daniel Bryan, and uh, you know, but I'm still very happy and celebrating with my friend Justin Labar. So I'm glad that the Bucks won, and all of you wonderful people. So, you know, I'm, I'm still on Cloud Night, I'm telling you. I might get me a, a, a Milwaukee Bucks customized title. Paul, send me a title. My DMs are wide open. I'll give you my address. Uh, Paul Levesque, please send me a Milwaukee Bucks championship title. Uh, get this out to him. Yeah, I want to see a Milwaukee Bucks jersey that says the Big Nasty on the back. <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. I want to see it. All right. Uh, well, we are 59 <laughs> minutes in. Uh, we've got to love it. We can, we can work it perfectly to the whole hour. Uh, uh, you know, it's tons to go on. Thanks to all these Super Chats. Um, I mean, Alfred, I guess any final thoughts? Anything with this Brian Punk stuff we didn't cover? Any final words you want to kind of get out with this? Oh, no, I, I just love it. I love the time we're in. This feels, I feel so rejuvenated just after being in this morass of the pandemic. Uh, and now we're not only are things open, but we're hearing all these crazy things. So I, this feels as close to the Monday Night Wars between Nitro and Raw as it has this entire uh, oh, Wednesday Night War, or whatever you want to call AEW versus WWE. But I love it. Last question I'll give to you, and uh, and and fans, uh, we'll watch it. We'll watch the chat room. I'll try to give some of the best ones that respond here. Last question to you as we sign off here, and we do the final few minutes. Tony Khan's got a big new live event announcement coming. Would you rather, and or do you think a live event, kind of like we talked about earlier, maybe like there, like a mania, some big uh, one-off yearly event at a stadium? Do you want something like that, or? Do you want a bigger shot fired to say, yeah, we're going to have another, you know, quarterly event, uh, you know, a clash of the champions kind of thing. We're going to have another quarterly event. It's going to happen on Monday nights on oh. TNT. Do you, what, what piques your interest more Them moving into mania territory of a stadium show that we're going to sell each year. That's going to be our thing to show we got balls as big as you Vince, or we're going to do a, we're going to, we're going to, tease the water every three months and we're going to go head to head with you for one night and we're and because you know they're going to load that freaking show up if they did something like that what piques your interest more what piques my interest easily is a monday night a thing as long as it's not every week because that would be an ego thing but uh, i like the idea of it once every three months like a quarterly a hundred percent especially because the stadium would just be so hard to scale and i think just at this point in their development I want them to go from 20,000 to maybe 30, 40,000. And then you start kind of building toward the stadium type show. Um, but the Monday night thing would be such a great talking point in terms of the broadcasting and podcasting that we do. And it would be such a great head to head atmosphere. And it would be more interesting in terms of you would get the narrative and you know, you would get great shows because they would load them up and you would even get better Raws from WWE. They'd be forced to have better Raws. So I don't want AEW going three hours head to head with WWE. But if they go two hours, then WWE's first hour of Raw is going to have to do everything they can to keep you there. So that would pique my interest for a million. I can I can write a book on all the reasons I think AEW should do what you just said. I love that take. 
And, and look, you know, uh, not not to you know, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of everything, but I, of course, I'm the WWE kiss ass, as, as the fans will tell you. But look, this is not good news for WWE. WWE had a a very entertaining Money in the Bank, and then you followed up with the Raw with Cena, with all the things you saw on Raw, Goldberg, and and a, a, a women's cash in and champion, the cross stuff, all this stuff, and they still only average under. I mean, I thought I, I thought they were going to do over two million. They still or under 2 million for their average viewership. Yeah. That's concerning to have all of that happening and you still can't surpass 2 million. And when SmackDown surpassed 2 million uh, four days earlier and did not have anywhere near the level of headline material that Raw did. So, you know, you know, it, it, this is great to see and feel like we're, we're amping things up, but WWE's got some work to do. And this is the WWE kiss ass. This is the WWE kiss ass telling you. WWE's got some work to do. Oh, they're paying you to say that, Justin, just so you can hide your cover. But no, I completely agree. I was very disappointed. We were, yeah, I was on the podcast with you when we were kind of bullish with our expectations. I, I think I, I said I, that I thought I was on the lower end, and I said like two point three, two point four. And so for them to come in under two million, that's not good, especially the pandemic. And this is for SmackDown. Pandemic viewership was like two point one million. So yeah. on average, during the empty arena era, they couldn't even surpass that, uh, and that that's concerning. They did well from last week, but last week's number was awful. And um, and I just think that dev and and. In addition to having work to do, they need to have this product. They need to rebuild this trust with their fans because they're already starting to loosen that up after a great weekend of shows. They really need to rebuild the trust with their fans, and I don't think they're going to do it with these trademarks of uh, complaining is not a conversation. So they're, they're really going to need to prioritize where their interests are. Complaining is not a conversation. Uh, look, uh, we, we're looking forward to seeing what these live event announcements are, what's going to be where. Uh, you know, Alfred, it's been many years since you and I got to do this live in front of an audience on location. Uh I, I think depending on what some of these things are lined up in the future, Chicago, Queens, wherever, I think we definitely are going to have to uh, bust out the wrestling ink microphones and do some of this in a live setting with the crowds. As uh, long as they have an Applebee's, I'm there. There we go. <laughs> You're on the prowl for the Cougars um, <laughs> with your purple or, purple Urkel. Uh, <laughs> look, it, it, hey, please send us a comment. Make sure you tag my both at this is nasty at Justin Labar and at Raj Geary, Raj Geary underscore three or three. If you want to see Justin and Alfred live and we see some of this happening live at some of these locations and places, please let us hear it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we were just before the pandemic hit, we were planning to do a big WrestleMania thing in uh, Orlando that, you know, that of course, or in Tampa, excuse me, that of course got, you know, knocked out when the pandemic hit us in 2020. So looking to get back in the live events here as we uh, get back to normal. So we'd love to see many of you. So if you have an interest to see, a wrestling Inc. podcast taping before your very eyes, please let us know because I think there's going to be many shows coming up here in the next six months that might call, call for such an event with myself, Alfred, and the rest of the Wrestling Inc. team. Hey, thanks to all the Super Chats. Thanks to all the free chats. We appreciated it. Uh, again, like, subscribe, do what you got to do, leave the comment. We really appreciate it. This helps the podcast immensely. Uh, you know, the sponsors that we talk about, the more you guys do these comments, uh, you know, leaving a pro- positive comment on the podcast feeds, sharing, it, it all helps sell and uh you know not gonna get in the weeds of business but that stuff helps this podcast keep all of us around and making it worthwhile um you know so thank you very much uh that's it for tonight uh alfred you'll be here on friday correct yes i will alfred's back on friday i'm off on vacation next week so i'm alfred i'm not gonna see you for about two weeks here i'm off on vacation i'm going to the beach turning everything off i'm gonna come back punk and brian are gonna debut (laughs) they've already had their match by then like (laughs) i went to hawaii for thanksgiving uh 2012 turned everything off i came back to this to the continental u.s turned everything back on i missed the shield debut i was so lost everything all this stuff and i've been waiting for dean ambrose to debut i remember that yeah, I lost everything. I'm out. I was out of the loop. So that, that's always what happens. I, I leave. Things happen. That's what's going to happen. So uh, I'll see you guys in two weeks. Alfred, always fun. Like, share, comment. Thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate the Super Chats. Be safe. We'll be back on Friday night here in Wrestling Inc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.